Welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler. My guest for this episode is Andres Quintero. Andres was living in New York with his wife and two sons while he was also working for an international handbag retailer. In his role, Andres traveled the globe looking for trends in places like Paris and Tokyo. He worked with celebrities and visited factories where the handbags were produced in China and Vietnam. Originally from Colombia, Andres and his wife started to dream of one day starting their own handbag line. Together, they envisioned a company that would bring factory jobs back to their native Colombia, provide a high-quality product with a fair pricing model for their customers, and create a fun, fresh aesthetic that promoted a positive image of women. It was an idea that would pay off. Today, Andres and his wife are the owners of Men and Mon, a handbag line in New York City. In this episode, Andres talks about the early challenges they faced launching their brand, the strategy that has enabled them to double sales each year, and how he managed to launch a handbag line while also working as a youth pastor in his local church. You can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Andres online at donsadler.com slash 024. The Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by the Bold Visions Brave Warriors Coaching System, helping Christians create vision, commit to action, and conquer their goals to achieve their God-given calling. Download the free daily planning tool, The Peak Page. This free tool will help you overcome procrastination and create more clarity, focus, and results in your day. Download your free copy today at donsadler.com slash peak. And now, let's meet Andres. Hi, Andres. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Don. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Your story is so incredible. I had the great pleasure and honor of talking to you a little bit about it um, in the pre-interview, and it has so much dimension, and there's so much story and so much um, to be inspired about, um, and I, I'm just so excited to share it with our listeners. But um, enough about what I think. Let's start with... Um, uh, just have I'm just going to have you take a moment and tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yes, my name is Andres Quintero. I, I was born and raised in Colombia in South America, and I moved uh, with my wife and two sons to New York City in 2011. And since 2000, I have been working in the fashion industry, and then. Um, for the last two years, I have been transitioning into starting uh, our own label with, with my wife and also going full-time working um, at church here in New York City. So you were uh, living in Colombia. You moved here to New York City. Um, you started your own 
label. Um, as you were doing that along the way, you became the youth pastor in your church. And I love that story because there's so much, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's so much dimension to that. That's a lot of different um, things to be in, involved in um, at the same time and a lot of different areas, um, a lot of spheres of influence. Tell us a little bit more about your label specifically. Yes. Yeah, so um, since 2000, we had been, uh, my wife and me, we had been working in the fashion industry. And then in 2011, I was offered a job as the senior designer for a handbag label called Les Porsac. And so they have uh, stores in, you know, around the globe. Um, I was in charge of three lines, their men's line, another line called Artists in Residence. And they will invite like designers like Gwen Stefan and the, and Tokidoki and just like really well-known artists. And I'll, I'll be responsible to uh, kind of take their insights, their ideas and to make it look in, into actual bags to transform those scribbles into uh, something that you can actually manufacture. So we have an, uh, our sourcing office in Hong Kong and all our factories were in China, in Asia Vietnam and um, so they, they will be like sending me to like really uh, go Paris go uh, Tokyo so I was traveling also like uh, trend hunting and but I I, I I also knew that I wasn't very uh, comfortable with the relationship with had our with our um, uh, factories. I was hearing some stories that, you know, struggles and how um, just the the whole uh, fashion industry is, is really about, like, the designers. And nobody really cares, like, who is actually sewing those bags. And so I thought that was a little unfortunate. Yeah. So on the other hand, I, I also, there was another dilemma in my home country in Colombia where I knew there was a long leather tradition for uh, multiple generations and th those jobs were leaving to the to 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 Asia because of the labor is cheaper over there and I also knew that a lot of people that you know grew up working with leather uh, they were forced to go into other industries like service industries like driving a taxi or uh, waiting on a restaurant and we thought oh wow I would like to create well, my wife and me she well she was like really behind this idea we would like to create beautiful bags but to invest in our community even though it was going to be way more expensive because labor in Colombia is more expensive uh, but just try to uh, invest and uh, to really give a voice to and to those hands that were making the bags and to tell those stories. So the nature of the industry as a whole is not like where I was working, it was like different, but in, in general, it's very pervasive. And so the way, the, the moment you can create something on your own, you, you have a say of how you run the business. And so that's, that's how the idea was incubated and we, we also did a lot of, a, a lot of praying. All these ideas didn't materialize like at once. Uh, there was, a, we, 
it, it took some incubating, like a couple years of praying, okay, when is the right time? What mm-hmm. should we do? And, um, and it didn't happen so like easily. It wasn't like a straight line. We, we went through a couple of loops and, but God is faithful and he managed and he, you know, if he says he's going to do it, he, he's a gentleman. He, he's going to fulfill his word. And so far we just don't know, uh, how we have been able to pull this off because it is retail industry is so difficult. And we, we started from scratch. So we, we have seen his hand behind this. And I want to talk, I like what you had to say about um, it's not a straight line, right? I think that we, God gives us a dream and sometimes we feel like, okay, that's it. Tomorrow it all has to happen. It all has to fall into place. Um, But more often it's a process that he takes us through um, as he did for you. Tell me, I'm curious about, um, so you had this idea that you were going to... um, you were going to invest back into your home country of Colombia, where there's a long um, tradition of, of craftsmanship. And so how did you go about, did you know someone who had a factory? How did, how did you make that connection of bringing that work to Colombia? Yes. Okay. But before that, I will, I will have to say, um, so right in 2015, we said, okay, I think we have been praying for this for years my wife was like, okay, I think we can start doing this. And then we started uh, sharing our vision with friends and friends of friends. And then we, we found a, a woman and she said, hey, I love your idea. I'm going to be your, your, you know, your investor and I'm, I'm going to be your backer. And so, wow. and she, and so I, she said, quit your job and go to Columbia, start doing prototypes. So I, <laughs> we did that. I quit my job. Um, we we put all our belongings in a, in storage in New York. We uh, we finished the lease for our apartment and we went to Colombia. And then two months later, this woman disappeared. Like she wouldn't even answer our emails. And mm-hmm. we we started like okay, but we're in this process and we we're here paying like burning cash like there's no end because we're paying to do prototypes and developing prototypes. It takes a lot of money and so we started taking our savings and we almost depleted our savings and we came to a point where like oh goodness gracious we we thought this was the plan well um so at that moment we said wow god this is in your hands and it it hasn't worked our way and we thought this was the way and so the I, i have to say we we started with a big failure and that failure made us realize, okay, we thought we were going to make it because we had a good contact. We were in the right place at the right time. But then through that uh, starting point, we were, okay, God, just let us do it your way. And so that, that's why we said maybe, you know, we, we were thinking this as uh, we're, we're going to do it in our own strength and we have all what it needs. But then... After that first crash, we were like, okay, let's read, rewrite the story again. And so that, that was a good point where we said, you know, it's, we came to the realization, it's not where we want to go. Also, how we get there is as important. So we, that, that kind of laid the foundation, okay, we want to invest in our community. Uh, we also want to use this as a way to... Um, 
to witness to the world in, in many ways, not, not only like to our customer, but the people that is working in, in, you know, in these little factories in Colombia. So we contacted this person, uh, his name is Johnny. He said, Hey, I would like to do the prototypes, but I, I have to confess the next in the, in two months, I'm going to transition. I'm going to become a, a gym teacher, even though my parents, my sisters, my cousins, we have been working in the leather industry for many years. Uh, I, I'm thinking that I'm going to call it a day in two months. I'm going to be in another place. And so I, we told him just, you know, give us some time. Uh, let's do little by little. We, we want to do these prototypes and this should offer you enough job to, to be with us for three months. And that's how we started. We started from like the bottom up from scratch. And so today, so today we're, we're making about three to 5,000 bags a year. And there is no, so anybody that is saying, Oh wow, you guys are so uh, talented. So smart for me, there's no question. The only reason we have been able to pull this off is because God has been faithful at every moment. Thank goodness mm. that, you know, that first contact didn't work out because it would have been a different story. Right now we can say, wow, we, we were really in the hole and he managed through his providence to pull it and to, to fulfill it and to carry out the plan. That's amazing. It's such an inspiring story. We're going to talk. Um, there's really two parts of your story that we're going to dig in on today. One is the craftsmen that you work with in the factories. And second is the customers, how you serve each of those two two groups. But you shared with me a story that, um, that I think that really speaks to that um, about um, there was a, a delay in ordering or something and uh, the factory was not going to be able to make rent. Um, can you tell us that story? I think that's a really powerful example of of just what it means to bring God into, into business and how we serve uh, our partners. Yes. So uh, usually if, if you're working in, in fashion and you, you, you are the one uh, the closest to like selling the bags that you, you have a lot of say and a lot of power. So the, the, the factory is they, they just depend on the orders. And so you, you, you're in a position where you can take advantage of that. So, but we, we wanted to do things differently. And so for the first year, we, we kind of, uh, we, we were a little too aggressive in terms of like, okay, for the end of the year, we, we want to have a, a lot of stock in, in, you know, in storage just to, to have some flexibility to, you know, uh, have enough bags after the, you know, the, se- the biggest season of the year, which is at the end of the year. And then we thought, okay, yeah, we, we ended up in, in a good position. We, we have plenty of bags for the, you know, the next month or so. I think we can, uh, decrease our orders, but then, uh, our, our, our person in Colombia, Johnny, he was able to grow and he purchased a couple of sewing machines and his, his little factory grew to like six or seven people. And he said, Hey, by the way, uh, I'm seeing the orders and, um, I have noticed that, uh, that I'm not, you know, based on the flow that I see, uh, I, I think I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. 
And uh, I know this is nobody's fault. It's just the flow of the season. But uh, this is going to be critical as I am, I'm just starting. And we, we are also in the same boat. We're starting. It's not like uh, we have a big you know, cushion in our banks to cover things. But we, we thought, okay, this, this is an opportunity. And we're, we're still, our budget is pretty limited. But we said, and it didn't make a, it didn't make a lot of sense just to to place orders here for the sake of keeping the the factory running because then we're gonna end up with more more bags that we need. But we said, hey, what about we we pay for the rent for this this month or two months just to keep you know the momentum? And they you know they didn't believe it like they were they were like okay so are you gonna charge us back for that money or or so it was a good moment to say um we we just we're not here for us we we see this as we're here as a team as a family and 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 that was a good opportunity and that's something that it has been it's part of our dna for for our for me and mon is that we, we're not here just to sell bags. We're here also to care for the people that actually make those bags. And also we're here on the other side of the spectrum. We're also here for the, for our customers. We, we, we struggle and we, we, we fight hard to get them like high quality in terms of like their hardware, like all our zippers are they're manufactured in Switzerland, like all, um, a lot of a lot of details. They, they're like high quality. Like our standards are really high. And then we also try to be conscious about uh, the the re, our retail price. We we try to be fair with our prices. A lot of people in New York that you know they're they're used to uh, designer handbags. They they come and say, "Whoa, I thought these bags were gonna be three or four times more expensive." And well, we're, we're amazed by for the quality that we're getting, how much you you're you're pricing, how much you're asking for them, and the the last thing is that we also as part of that DNA is that we we didn't want to do wholesale because the moment you do wholesale, you need to increase uh, like two times your prices uh, because you need to include the middleman. So we wanted to be friendlier with our end customer. And we are avoiding wholesale for the moment just to try to be fair with our prices. You know, I mentioned earlier that you really have this this two-prong approach, and it's probably even more than that, but specifically with your craftsmen and with your customers. And um, just backing up on something that you said, because I want to dive more into your pricing strategy and um, even more importantly, what that's meant to your business um, in terms of success. But uh, I just wanted to back up because I think another part of your story that's very inspiring is that fashion can be an industry that uses um, uh, sex to sell or maybe even a drug culture to sell um, to sell product. And in your designs and in your marketing, you made a very intentional decision not to um, not to use that kind of selling or that kind of visual with your when you developed your handbags, tell us a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, I think, um, anybody can see that in, in, in our times that 
so fashion or, or labels are like people and so you 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 write in a story and you you want um surround surround this this person that is your brand with with very specific elements and to make it aspirational and also to to grab people's attention and the easier way to do that is to uh to charge image like to to build the message with charge images something that like in three seconds will grab your eyes and and a lot of times you use that with a very subversive and really extreme uh, messages that either use uh you know women's bodies as you know as a tool to uh to you know to bring that attention or or lifestyles certain lifestyles we i thought we thought uh, my wife and me we thought okay that's i think we had enough of that there's a lot mm-hmm. of sarcasm there's a lot of uh edginess and extreme we we wanted to be um a little bit more cautious and we we wanted to cultivate a message where we we respect women's bodies uh that we're not sponsoring certain type that we want to be more democratic and we also wanted to be uh fresh and fun and and saying hey all of us we we're, we're on the same boat and that that is beautiful being different is beautiful and we're not going after this uh stereotype and so we have been very intentionally um constructing our own message in terms of uh being respectful, being fun and um whimsical. So there there is a lot of uh I mean I don't want to say cute, but we I think uh there's beauty in the world and so we want to explore that. That's great. And so you have a you have a pop-up shop here in New York City, is that right? So we we do various pop-ups. So we like one one that's also another strategy. Um one one month we can we can have four or five pop-ups, but we're permanent per, we our permanent pop-up is in Soho. And some sometimes we do a lot of pop-ups in Chelsea, but in Soho we're uh, all year round. Uh, but we, we tend to do pop-ups like in, in Chelsea, in Williamsburg, uh, mostly in New York, New York City. And at a time when retail, as you mentioned earlier, is really uh, struggling in many sectors, your, your business is actually has been thriving, right? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so uh, I guess the, the movement right now is like, Leaving the, the the brick and mortar stores and focus on online. That that's what I think we have seen in the the the, the last few years. However, we thought, okay, you know, when when you're doing something that requires a lot of craftsmanship, I think uh, pictures don't make enough justice to to the product. They're like you need to touch and you need to see, and a lot of our handbags are reversible. So we we said we we want to push hard on you know the physical store and and the moment you do pop ups uh, the retail market is like thirty uh, percent um, cheaper the rents the leases so the, the moment mm-hmm. you do like a three or six month lease is thirty or forty percent less and we in the last two years we have seen um, 
there, there is a lot of great opportunities in terms of like uh, prime retail space in New York City because a lot of businesses are, are leaving. I mean, I, I have to say it's still pretty expensive, uh, but some businesses can't can make it. And we, by God's grace, we have been able to grow to to uh, to be in like prime spots to pay those rents that are still high and, and make a, a good profit. And did you tell me that your sales have doubled every single year? Do I have that right? Yes. Did I remember right? Yes. So yeah. we we yeah we have been doubling our sales. I don't know how. That's in, that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible in this retail environment, as you said, in New York City, um, and especially with so much competition. Um, the fact that you um, that you came in and that you're having this phenomenal success, and I think it just speaks to earlier we were talking about um, how you regard your partners as family and just your generosity. Um, that in you know, I think maybe some people would be tempted to think, oh that sounds like a terrible business strategy. Um, but it really has come back to you over and over in terms of the continued success of your brand. And I, and I just want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, you've talked to me and, and shared with our listeners, some of the ups and downs of your story. And, um, you shared with us a little bit about this, but I think a lot of our listeners, regardless of whether what industry they're in or if they're in business or they have a career, everybody has ups and downs, right? Yes. So talk to us a little bit about how you pray through those times where you're feeling discouraged or maybe you're not sure, you know, you've had this phenomenal success, um, but that really required that you, you know, hung in there when things maybe didn't look that promising. So how did you pray through those times that where you felt more discouraged? So, um, I, I, I wanted to share this. So I heard this sermon like two years ago about, um, Hannah's prayer, how, you know, in those days, uh, you know, being able to conceive was like part of, uh, your identity if you were a woman. And so when, when she, uh, you know, she, it came to, the conclusion where she made this prayer where she said, God, if you hear my prayer and if you, if I'm able to conceive, I, I'm going to give this, this son to you. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be set apart for your temple. And she's basically saying, I, my identity belongs to you. And so for us, uh, you know, we have been facing a lot of challenges. Uh, like this, this business has been very, counterintuitive like you don't you just don't take a job uh in the church when you're doing a startup it just doesn't make any sense a startup is like a baby demands a lot of time a lot of resources we we started selling our bags in in just very small locations in in markets in new york and people were saying hey i love your bags but you're you're in these weird markets where um there's a lot of indie brands and it's not very aspirational and we're like, you know, uh, our manager, we don't depend on the world's logic. God's economy is another economy. So just to be aware that he's faithful, even in the dark hour, even through the valley of death, God will. And if he, he's a gentleman, he's going to fulfill his word and he's going to carry out his plan. 
sometimes we we think this is the plan, but uh, that that's when you know you have surprises. But he he is gonna complete it. What he started, he's gonna have to complete it, and is for good. Like I, I love this quote from uh, C.S. Lewis, where um, Lucy asks Aslan, "Hey, are you safe?" And then Aslan says, uh, "I'm not safe, but I'm good." I'm not a domesticated cat. A lot of times we want to domesticate God and we want to tell him what is the best plan. And we, we have done it many times. We, we thought, okay, God, we found this investor. This is how we're going to make this amazing company. And it, it didn't work out. And a, a, lot, a lot of times it has been, that has been the pattern. Just, you know, crashing against your own walls. You, you build this plan that you think is, is God's way, but it, it is not. And just don't be afraid to be surprised by him. And he's mm. always good. He wants everything for your good. And so uh, it doesn't mean there's going to be a straight line. You, sometimes you're going to go through these deserts, but he's faithful. And that's, that is reassuring. I love that. Don't be afraid to be surprised by him. I think that's brilliant. Um, that's really good. Um, tell me a little bit about, um, as someone who is a believer and you're a youth pastor and, and you have this line, um, when someone comes into your shop, um, a pop-up shop or, or, or um, your location in Soho, what do you want them to experience? Um. So I think I think God is a God of uh, He has a, a very strong sense of aesthetics, and um, so we we want to explore design, craftsmanship, and beauty, and we want to tell a story. And so a lot of people are like, when they pass through our pop-ups, they're like, "Wow, I this is different. This is unique. It seems like you're not following any trend, but you're fo- there is another trend that you're following." And so we, we want to be um, a little bit like uh, subversive in, in a sense that we, we want to attract people to the idea that we, we have this gift where we can design beautiful things, but it's not in us. It's something that we're resembling someone else. Like we have this, this gift, this attribute to, to design beautiful things. But we didn't come up with that skill by ourselves. It's, it's a mirror or some, somebody, somebody put those gifts in our hands. And that, that's part of the message. Okay, I see these beautiful bags. They're not like, I cannot fit them in a particular segment in, in the fashion world universe. But there is something beautiful. And I, I think that is a great start. Like you can start a great conversation with that. Yeah, yeah. That's so great. That's so great. Um, we are going to include in the show notes um, where to find you online. But just for our listeners who are ready to go and buy some bags right now, where can they um, where can they find you online? Yeah, so the, the, the easiest way is to go to our online store, and it's called meanandmon.com, M-I-N-A-N-D-M-O-N.com. So Mean and Mon is uh, our two sons, the, their names are Benjamin and Simon. And so we thought it was kind of fun that we love the two words. I love that. I love that. Well, um, our time has gone too fast and it's time to, um, 
In just a moment, we're going to start with our final five. I just want to thank you again for sharing your story. It's so incredible, and there's so many great things about it, and I just really appreciate your generosity in sharing that with our listeners. Um, But we do like to wrap up every episode with our final five, five questions designed to further resource our listeners. So we'll start with, other than the Bible, what's one book that changed your life and why? So I have two books that one I, I, I started reading recently is called uh, A Quest for Godliness by J.I. Packer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's talking about the, the Puritans and how they, they came uh, to America and they had like this, I don't want to say stoic faith, but they, they were visionaries and how they were able to carry out this I mean, it was so ambitious to come into a new continent with your families and um, being able to, okay, find water, build houses. It's just, uh, it sounds like going, you know, to the moon and and being able to pull that off. And on top of that, they they were like fascinating believers. Like they they kept the Sabbath, which I, I found like really, wow. They, they were barely surviving. And they, they set apart a day for rest. And just many stories that have been a little convicting, like how come I, can, I cannot set a day for rest while I'm not depending on the elements to, you know, to raise corn or to find water. And right, right. So great book. And then there is another book I read by Eugene Peterson called Jesus Way. Uh, also beautiful how you know jesus was able to you know he's saying it's it's not the port we're gonna arrive but how we get there is also as important how we do things it's not like oh you know what jesus i want to become new york's major so i can have so much uh an sphere of influence but it doesn't matter how i get there it doesn't matter if i have to bribe people just just being able to get there and you know influence people but, you know, in this book, is like, no, 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 no. How you do things, how you rest during the week, how you do the ordinary is as important. So those two I, I highly recommend. That's great. That's great. And we usually ask um, what podcast you're listening to. And I know that you shared with me that, that you're not quite, you're not really a podcast listener, which is um, great. Hopefully you'll start with this one. Yes. But, um, uh, but you mentioned that there was some, some uh, sermons that you listen to, right? Yes. So, um, there is, there's a site called gospel in life. And then there's this beautiful sermon called Hannah's prayer by Tim Keller. And it's, it's, it's like $2, but man, that sermon is so rich. It, It truly transformed my life. Wow. Wow. I'll definitely check that out. What's your, what's your favorite Bible verse and why? Uh, I love the book of Philippians, one of my favorites, and my my top my my favorite verse is um, Philippians um, four and um, verse twelve and thirteen, and it says this: I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And I love this verse because, and uh, so Paul is in jail. This is the last letter he writes to a church. He, he knows he's going to be punished. You just, 
you know, in those days, you don't stay in jail. You just, you either go free or you are punished. And so he, he has in mind that one, there's a possibility that he's going to die after this. And uh, he has been deserted by his friends because Nero now, you know, he said, Rome, who originated the fire in Rome? The Christians. So there's a, there's, there's a lot of persecution. So nobody wants to side with Paul. So, and he's in this jail. And two months ago, I was able to go to Rome and to go to that, what is supposedly that jail next to the Colosseum, and to see, wow, this is like 10, 15 feet underground in this little hole, a cave. There's not a toilet. And he, this guy is able to say, I, I'm, I have learned the secret to be content. And if you read Philippians, you will say that what he's saying is in Jesus, Jesus fills my life in such a way that I can be content. And wow, if he can be content in those, in the, in those circumstances, we, we just need to learn a lot from Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that. I just want to mention too, um, for our listeners that the resources you mentioned earlier, the books and, uh, and the message by Tim Keller, we will include links to that in our show notes so people can find that easily. Um, what's the best business advice you ever received? Um, I would say, uh, don't, don't be afraid to dream, but also know that, you know, God is Lord and sovereign. So the, the, those two things are, are important. God, you know, God put a lot of, he put, uh, he, we're, we bear his image. We bear his attributes. We're creators. Uh, we can envision and, uh, that those things are good, but also to be, uh, aware that at the end, the last word, God is the Lord of those dreams. So it's kind of a balance. Yeah. Yeah. And what advice would you give to somebody right now who might be feeling discouraged? Maybe they're, you know, facing something, a, a challenge in their own business and they're just feeling discouraged. What, what encouragement would you give them right now? Uh, I would say something like, um, focus on the ordinary. Um, there, there has been many times where I feel even with, um, our current, um, business where, Oh wow. Th- this seems like a really critical, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to, to fix this, this, these sounds are, and seems so such a heavy burden. And uh, you know, when, when that happens, of course you, you know, if, if you see a tiger and you're scared of the tiger, that's, that's good. Like, you know, God gave us, gave us that feeling like, okay, you know, get ready to jump and adrenaline goes into your brain, but you shouldn't be afraid all the time for something. You, you should, uh, put your trust in God and also, also try to, uh, focus on the ordinary. Like sometimes I have these difficult problems, but, uh, I said, you know, today I'm going to try to glorify God by the way I, I serve uh, the breakfast to my children. I want to do a good pair of eggs. I want to squish and I want to pick like good oranges and I want to do this breakfast really well for his glory. Or I want to make sure they have a very clean bed. And so everything is not always by, you know, defined by this micro, you know, 
goals and uh, you know you, you can find also um joy in doing the ordinary the little things and if you want to do them for his glory you can find fulfillment in that it, you know we we're being bombarded also in the very individualistic culture where okay it's all about the dream but you know I, the, on the other hand it's like okay it's also about how you live your daily life and so that'll be my my little advice that's great. That's great. Do you mind taking a moment and just praying over our listeners before we wrap up? Yes, of course. Dear Jesus, we, we are so grateful for the gift of the cross. We're so grateful that before time, you decided, you and the Father and the Holy Spirit decided to make children out of sinners. Mm-hmm. And that is so beautiful and so profound and is, is touching. And um, help us to, um, to share those news and to, to know that um, we have that assurance that we can come and in, comf- in, in, in confidence that you, have that you have those open arms and that you are our advocate. And um, thank you for your faithful love. That love that never changes. Amen. Amen. Andres, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Yes, a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'd like to thank my guest, Andres Quintero, for joining me today. Just a reminder that you can access the show notes for today's episode at donsadler.com slash 024. If you'd like to hear more conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. This show is brought to you by the Bold Vision's Brave Warriors coaching system, helping Christians create vision, commit to action, and conquer their goals to achieve their God-given calling. Download our free daily planning tool, The Peak Page, at donsadler.com slash peak. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast. I'm your host, Don Sadler. Thanks for listening.